All right, let's turn the Word of God to Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8. Psalm 8. Psalm 8. Or the 8th Psalm. 47. Oh, you said, but, so she said it's really 47, but it's felt like 48. All right? So, okay, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. Only one year. All right? So it's 47. All right. All right, we'll let him know now. Okay. Good. Psalm 8, and we'll read all nine verses of Psalm 8. Say this in the Word of God. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Like that exclamation mark. Who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him? <clears throat> For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Let's pray. Father, again, Lord, we just uh, praise you and glory in you. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for washing over us another week. Lord, we do thank you, Lord, for the privilege of prayer. Lord, I thank you that we can come. And Lord, uh, today we can sit at the feet of Jesus. And uh, Lord, what a precious place that is to be. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would uh, help each one today. Thank you for faithful servants of God. Lord, people that are here and people that... Uh, are listening in, dear God. And uh, Lord, they did the right thing today. Lord, they came and were attentive to the house of God. And Lord, I thank you for that, that uh, even in this day, Lord, despite what's going on, there are people that truly love Jesus. There are people that truly love the Word of God. There are people that truly love the church. There are people that truly want to do the right thing according to the precepts and principles of the Word of God. There are people that still want to witness and share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I thank you for such a people that are here gathered today. And, uh, Lord, again, we do pray for those that couldn't be here with, because of sickness, or Sister Sarah, Sister Judy, and others. Lord, we thank you for those, uh, Lord, that uh, you have touched. Lord, thank you for those that were sick and they're feeling better and they're back in the house of God. <laughs> thank you, uh, uh, Lord, uh, for just watching over. And, God, as we sit here today, you know the spiritual, the physical, the financial. Lord, the domestic needs, what's going on in every heart and home. And, Lord, we commit these things to you. And, Lord, we just want to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to be faithful students of thy word. Lord, we pray for somebody that might be here listening that, Lord, they're not saved yet. And, Lord, even today that you would, through thy Holy Spirit and thy word, would work in that heart and draw that one into these today that they realize, oh, I've put it off too long. This is the day I need to come and put my trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we think of uh, Patrick at home. Uh, Lord, would the surgery help him to recover and, uh, Lord, uh, to him be able to get the help as he's recovering there. And again, all things in thy name we pray. Amen. So as we look at this psalm, it's a good psalm about uh, God's glory and man's honor. And again, this is a psalm that's believed to have been written actually after David killed Goliath. 
even though it's not mentioned there. You know, we see it here that David stood in awe of God. He stood in awe of God, and then he stood in awe that God used not the army of Israel to bring victory over the enemy, but used him, uh, a babe, if you will. And he stands in awe and praises God. Now, of course, we know after uh, David uh, killed Goliath, there was a, a public celebration, right? The people came out and, boy, they worshiped for a long time and even said things like, you know, Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his 10,000. He was a great warrior. But I believe here we see a private celebration of uh, the victory. And it's good to have, a, a you know, if, if, if God uses you in a great way, hey, it's good that people come in. You, hey, man, great. Hey, man, that was a blessing, brother. Oh, man, that was good what God did for you. But, you know, as servants of the Lord, why we're, you know, getting, getting recognized, if you will, it's good to remember that, you know, it was God that did it. And for us to have, if you will, a private celebration of victory forever, however God used us. And again, of course, he starts off praising God. He says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. And Psalm 148, 13 says, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. And excellent means full of majestic power, glorious, worthy. We know that our God is worthy and his name is worthy. And we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. But notice what David says here in verse 2. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. And notice that he talks about uh, 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 overcoming the enemy and stilling the enemy. But then he says, well, who did God use to do that? Well, he used babes and sucklings to do that. And so here's the great thing, and you see this throughout the Word of God. It's mentioned in the New Testament. God delights to use the weak things, again, to confound the wise, right? That's what the Bible teaches us. Why? Because He is the all-powerful one, right, who chooses to use the weak to fulfill His purposes and therefore show forth His strength. You know, we think about uh, 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 Moses, right? We think about that great deliverer, right, uh, that God used to destroy Egypt and uh, bring out Israel. But when we think about that, when we think about God using Moses uh, to defeat Egypt and deliver Israel, what do we think? We think about uh, the, the, that, that great man of faith that stood uh, before Pharaoh, that boldly stood before Pharaoh. But the amazing thing is, Right. Where did the defeat of Egypt begin? The defeat of Egypt. Right. The defeat of the enemy did not begin when uh, uh, Moses was that great man of faith. The defeat of Egypt began when that little ark was in the river. Right. And a baby inside. And that baby cried out. And when he cried out, right, uh, his cry pierced the heart of Pharaoh's daughter. Right. And right. God, what did God do? God brought that little baby Moses into Pharaoh's home. And thus, really, the defeat of Egypt began right with a babe, with a little weak baby that needed somebody to take care of it. And so God used really uh, the beginning uh, with a little babe there to bring down the defeat of Egypt. And so how God can do that. 
And so David, right, he understood here in this psalm, he understood his limitations and that if he was, did anything if, uh, that amounted to anything, it was God that deserved the glory. And, of course, Dave was very young when God began using him. Matter of fact, that was recognized, right? When he went up there to, right, he was the one staying home, taking care of the sheep. And his father told him to go take, take lunch to his brother. He said, man, it's about lunchtime. You need to get up there and take something to your brothers. And what did they say? They, they mocked him for his, his youthfulness. In 1 Samuel 17, 33, it says this. And Saul said to David, thou art not uh, able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. And he a man of war from his youth. And verse 42, and when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. Even the, the enemy disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and a fair countenance. I would say, I guess David was the good looking one in the family, right? Yeah, he was, he was the good looking one. Oh, David, you're so cute. I'm sure his grandma squeezed his cheek every time she saw him, right? He was cute, right? A fair countenance. And then in verse 56 of uh, 1 Samuel 17, Paul said, uh, Saul said this, and king said, inquire thou whose son the stripling is. That's what he calls him here. He had done this. He said, Who, you know, who's, uh, who's this stripling belong to? That word stripling means this, a young man, one in the process, right? One in the process of passing from childhood to adulthood, right? Well, that's what we think of a teenager. And David uh, uh, was considered to be a teenager, maybe around uh, 16, 17 at that time. He said, who is this? Who is this uh, kid over here, this uh, uh, young one? Well, listen, but that's who God used. And so David understood that himself. And David said, as you see in the psalm, he goes, wow, God used me. Yes, a young person. I mean, somebody who's still, uh, in one sense, just a babe, just learning about life. God used me. And so that's an exciting thing as we think of our young people. Remember that God wants to use you, right, at your age and stage. Matter of fact, it says this, talking about babes. That's uh, mentioned several times in the Bible. Let me give you a few other verses where it says that. Matthew eleven twenty five. Jesus, when he was thanking the Lord, he said this. In Matthew eleven twenty five, At the time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and what? Revealed them unto babes. Revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good, in thy sight. And then uh, 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 the, the Lord even quoted these verses in Matthew 21. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna, the son of David, they were sore displeased and said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said unto him, Have you never read? Right? Referring to Psalm 8 here. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. Now, I like that because in the psalm it says strength. And again, in reference to praise, listen, a lot of strength is drawn spiritually, amen, as you praise and give the Lord the honor that he deserves. You know, we sing these songs, right? I am weak, but thou art strong. We sing the children's song, I am weak, but he is strong. And sometimes, sometimes as believers... Right. You know, the, the devil likes to make, get us continually thinking in the future. Right. Thinking down the road. And so we miss out on what God wants to do in our life right now or the blessings we can have right now. And sometimes as believers, we think we have to reach a, a certain uh, spiritual stage to be used of God. 
right? Oh, well, you know, maybe when I get a little bit older or, uh, you know, maybe once I've uh, uh, learned this or maybe once I've been to Bible college or maybe once I've, I've studied this degree, then maybe God will use me. But we need to realize, right, if you're saved and where you are right now, God wants to use you where you are today. Why? Because, again, it's not about you and your ability. It's about him that he would get the glory. Verse 2, again, it says, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength, right, because of thine enemies. Well, notice that even as a babe, you need strength against the enemy, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. And we need to realize, right, uh, the moment we get saved, we're babes. It says over there in Peter, as babes desire the sincere milk of the word. And we need to realize it's not, again, not once we reach a certain spiritual stage, but the moment we get saved, the moment that God saved us, we receive access to an authority and power against the enemy. The moment we get saved, we have everything we need at our disposal to defeat the enemy Right in our life, that word "still." Right, it says in verse two that we mightest that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger, and uh, that's what David did to Goliath. Right, I guarantee when he got done with him, right, when he chopped his head off, so no doubt he was still. Right? That guy wasn't moving, but still means this: to put away, to leave lacking, to exterminate and destroy. Well, we know that's what David did to Goliath. But right, that's what God, uh, Jesus Christ has done for you, for your enemies. And he's given you that power to, to do that in your life to the enemies. We might say it this way, to, to stop dead in his tracks like David did Goliath. And God has given us that power in our life, even as uh, newborn, born again children. Again, not wait until we reach some spiritual stage. But the moment we get saved, we have access to that power. And so as David thought about that, that God used him to bring such a great victory. Boy, look at what he says in verses 3 and 4. He says, When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? He said, When I consider, that stop just means to give a mindful observation. Right, sort of like the word uh, meditation that's been uh, we've been hearing in uh, Sunday school. He says, sort of, he sort of says like this: When I look through the telescope, right? By the way, uh, Brother Wood just got a nice uh, telescope, so if you want to uh, see the moon and the stars, right? Uh, just making a point with Brother Wood, right? He took a nice picture of the moon. He sent me not too long ago, so just putting that out there to help you out, brother. Maybe some people want to see that. But listen, that's basically what David says: Hey, when I when I look through my telescope at night. I know they didn't have telescopes, all right? But basically, he says, when I look up there and I see the moon and the stars, when I look at all those big things and go, wow, what are we up against those things? But then God turns down and says, no, what are those things up against you? He says, I look at that and I say, what is man? Who am I that thou art mindful of me? That word mindful means to acknowledge, to think about, to mention. We look at all that and we think all that stuff's so important, but then we look at ourselves, weak and feeble, right, and limited. And we say, who am I as an individual that he should acknowledge me? But that's exactly what he delights to do. When Christ hung up on the cross, what was that? That was God acknowledging you. <laughs> when he hung up on the cross, that was God saying, you know what? Why is he hanging on that cross? Because I'm mindful of you. 
because I'm thinking about you, because I'm concerned about you. That is why he is upon that cross, because I, that's right, I created all this, but I'm thinking about you, and that is why my son hangs upon the cross. Let me give you some good verses that go along with that thought. Here's a good verse in Job. It says this, what Job, Job said it this way, What is man that thou shouldest magnify him? And he has magnified us to one degree, right? With the position that he's given us in Christ, he's magnified us. And it says this, that thou shouldest, I love this. Job says, what is man that thou shouldest magnify him and that thou shouldest set thine heart upon him? I mean, just you talk about a good place to meditate. Meditate on that thought that God, has set his heart upon you. He's not just looking upon you. His heart is set upon you. His heart, right, cares. That's why he was moved, Jesus was moved with compassion when he looked on the multitudes. Why? Because his heart was set upon not that crowd. His heart wasn't set upon the crowd. His heart was set upon each individual in the crowd. That's what it was set upon. Each individual in that crowd that he looked upon had compassion. His heart was set upon each individual. He was having compassion on each person as an individual. He cared about what was going on in the life of each individual. Psalm 143, 144 verse 3 says this, Lord, what is man? Again, that thou takest knowledge of him or the son of man. That thou, I like this, that thou makest account of him. That thou makest account of him. That word account means to give value. May you've had someone say, ah, you're no account. We know that term. Maybe somebody said that to you in your life. Ah, you'll never amount to nothing. You're of no account. Well, I don't know who said that to you, but I know one person who's never said that to you and has never thought that about you. Amen. Jesus, God. He says, no, you're of account. My heart is set upon you. Listen, you have value to me. You have value. That is what God is saying. God says, listen, you have value to me. You mean something to me. Psalm 40, 17 says, the psalmist said this, I am poor and needy. What a great day it is when we realize we're poor and needy. I've mentioned this before. One of the greatest days of my life was when I realized how weak I was, that I was poor and needy and needed help. It says, he says, I was poor and needy, yet the Lord thanketh upon me. Just listen to those three verses. His heart is upon me. I have value to him. He's thinking about me right now. He ever liveth to what Jesus right now? Make intercession. Well, hey, listen, if he's praying for you, he's got to be thinking about you. What a wonderful thing that is that, listen, that God, he's mindful of you. Listen, we think about social media. Why do you think social media, right? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those things. Why, why are they so popular? Somebody tell me, why do you think they're so popular? People want attention, right? Uh, what is everybody's favorite thing to hear? Their name. That's why a lot of times when I go around, I'm always saying people's names. I always try to figure out the names. I go through the checkout line. I, I, I go, I go uh, to a restaurant. I always try to find people's names because people like to hear their name. Why? Because people just want to be acknowledged. 
People just want recognition that someone else recognizes they exist. And the more people that do, the happier they are, at least as far as the world's concerned. I mean, what's the big question in social media? How many followers do you have, right? Isn't that the big question? How many followers do you have? Everybody wants to know, how many followers do you have? I, you know, I can imagine uh, two people speaking. Maybe one of them's a believer. And the question, oh, how many, how many followers do you have? Oh, well, I've got three million. You've got three million. Well, how many do you have? Well, the believer says, I've just got one. Oh, you mean one million, right? No, just, just one. What? Just one? I've got three million. Oh, it's okay. My follower is the true God. Oh, the true God. What are you, Facebook, Instagram? No, not Facebook. The Grace Book, the Bible, right? And here's another blessing. You know, you're talking about being a friend. Psalm 112, verse 6 says this, The righteous shall be an everlasting remembrance. Hey, I might only have one follower, but you know what? I never have to worry about him unliking me. Right, we're talking about he, Lord likes you. I never have to worry about him unlike you. He's never gonna. Uh, I'm checking in with God today. What? God, God unlike me? What? I can't. No, never have to worry about that happen. That's all right. I'd rather have that if I'm gonna have one follower. Amen. He follows me. He follows me around and watches over me. And my his heart is towards me. Right. I have value to him. He's thinking about me. This is a good psalm for when you are feeling lonely. It goes on to say, not only is he mindful of me, but the son of man that thou visitest me. That word visit means to pay attention to someone, right? For the purpose or uh, coming to someone for the purpose of doing them good or to attend to someone that's placed under your care. And that's why he visits you, right? He wants to do good to you. And listen, he has put you as his child. He has put you under his care. One of my favorite hymns, right, which is Day by Day, again, says this. The protection of his child and treasure. Well, that says it right there. You're his child and treasure. His heart is on you. You have value to him. He thinks on you and you are his child and treasure as a born again believer. And this is what he says. The protection of his child and treasure is a charge that, that on himself he laid. He said, listen, you're my responsibility. Not only do I think on you, not only do you have value to me, not only is my heart towards you, but I want you to know, amen, you're my child and I've made you my responsibility. You know, it's sad today. A lot of people, everybody knows how to have a child, but everybody wants to make it somebody else's responsibility. Boy, you know, have the baby get home immediately, in daycare, or immediately in this, or immediately in that, and nobody wants to take responsibility for their children, not God. He says, you know what? Doesn't matter how many children I have, I want to take personal responsibility and care of each one of them. When Christ came to earth, what was that? That was God visiting man for the purpose of doing him good. Look at what it says about Jesus right after he was born. In Luke chapter 1, verse 68, it says this, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. And they were saying this why he was still a babe. For he hath visited and redeemed his people. Verse 78 of Luke 1, Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring on high hath visited us. And what a wonderful thing that he desires and delights 
to visit us. And boy, David says, man, who am I? Man, I'm, I'm, I'm a nothing, but he thinks on me. I'm a nothing, but he comes and he, he visits me and he delights to spend time with me. And of course, we know this psalm is also a messianic psalm because Christ took the form of man and, and he whom the angels worship, right, and who the angels serve was willing to make himself lower than an angel, right, on our behalf. Matter of fact, these verses right here are quoted in Hebrews chapter 2 where it talks about Jesus. It says this in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 6 through 9, in referencing these verses and in referencing the Lord Jesus Christ. But one in a certain place testified, saying, quoting this verse, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou madest him a little lower than the angels, thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. Of course, this is talking about Christ. Verse 9. A great verse, Hebrews 2. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, right? Because he took on the form of man. For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. You see, he has a heart for every man. He tells every man, you have value to me. He tells every man, I think of you. And not only that, I tasted death for you. I paid the price for every man. Now, the sad thing is, though he tasted death for every man, unfortunately, not every man will taste his life and be saved. Of course, everyone could be saved, but the Bible clearly teaches not everyone will be saved, but it's clear that everyone has that opportunity. We certainly don't believe in limited atonement because the Bible doesn't teach that. But it's clear that he tasted death for every man. And see, what a wonderful position he gave man when he created him. Look at verses 5 through 8, say this, For thou, talking about man, for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and has crowned him with glory and honor. Thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the sea. Now that's just not talking about Christ. That's talking about man when God created man. God gave man a position. Man was God's greatest, the greatest thing that he created, right? On the earth was man. And I don't think that we give much thought or appreciate the privileged position God gave man when he created him. Verse 26 of Genesis 1 says this, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after all likeness, and let him, that's talking about Adam, that's talking about mankind, have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. God gave man a privileged position when he created him. You know, it's funny, man spends so much time running from God and trying to, trying to obtain a higher status in life, but man was never at a higher status or position than he was when God formed him and before sin came in to the world. And the sad thing is, when man fell into sin, he gave up a lot of power and authority on earth that God had given him. And who did he give it to? He gave it to Satan. 
You know, when man turned on God, not only did he turn on God, but he also turned over to Satan a position that Satan did not have on earth before the fall. Man gave Satan authority and influence in the world he did not have. Man gave up some of what God gave him. John 16, 11 says this. When he's talking about uh, of sin, righteousness, and judgment, he says this about judgment. Because the prince of this world is judged. He was not the prince of this world, I don't think. We, we gave, we, 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 we allowed him access through sin. And so God, the psalmist says, what is man? Mortal man, sinful man, weak man, limited man. And what are we since our fall that God should think any more on us, but thank God that he does and thank God that he did. And that's why Jesus Christ came. And as we see, Christ came and he took the form of a body. We know, hey, listen, Christ is in heaven today. He sits on the throne today, but he sits there in the body of a man. An amazing thing. The Lord created us. We get saved. The Lord is a companion to us. We get saved. The Lord crowns us. We get saved. The Lord commissions us. And so therefore, he is certainly worthy of our praise. Look how the psalm ends. Well, it ends just like it began. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. That's what it says. The psalm ends the way it started, praising the Lord. And this is one thing we probably do not do enough as believers. Unfortunately, we've let others steal our blessing and privilege of praise. But we're afraid, to, we're afraid to praise the Lord anymore, right? Oh, man, if I, I do that, they'll think I'm Pentecostal. Oh, if I do that, they'll think I'm, they'll think I'm a fanatic. Well, what about it? Maybe they'll just think you'll really love the Lord. And besides that, who cares what they think? <laughs> who cares what they think? Amen? Hey, listen, I know I'm not talking about stirring up emotion, but boy, when, 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 when God, amen, when, when the presence of God is real and the presence of God is moving in your soul, whether you're in church or whether you're alone, amen, boy, what a wonderful thing to give praise back to God. You see, uh, David was humbled David was humbled that God brought such a victory through one such as him. And then Christ humbled himself and brought a victory for us. And we should be humbled and praise the Lord for the victory we have in Christ and that he considered us with upon the cross. Not, a, not just as mankind, but David was saying this as an individual. And we need to say that as an individual. Lord, who, who am I, Jeff Stewart, who am I that God would consider Jeff Stewart? Who am I that his heart would be towards me? Who am I that he would say I'm a value to him? Who am I that he would think on me? Who am I that he would personally, in the, in the context of these verses, taste death for every man? Who am I that he would personally taste death for me? Boy, that's that personal aspect. Last night, I was, as I was sharing my testimony with the, the young people, I say it all the time, what, what changed my life? Hearing that Jesus died and was buried and rose again the third day is not what changed my life. That's not what changed my life. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ saying, what? <laughs> no, it wasn't knowing that Jesus died and was buried and rose again the third day. That's not what changed my life. I'd heard that before. What changed my life is knowing he died for he considered me when he was up on that cross. 
that he died for me and shed his blood for me, that right when he did that, his heart was towards me. He was showing that I had value to him. It showed me he was thanking on me when he's upon that cross. It was the personal aspect of that death, burial, resurrection, and shed blood. That's what changed my life. That's what opened up my heart. That's what drew me unto him. That Wow! He was mindful of me upon that cross. He came down here to visit me as an individual. That, again, his heart and mind and all that was towards me as an individual. Boy, that's, that's what's life-changing. And that's what we want people to understand. He was personally, right? The old song says, what? When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. And what a wonderful thing that is. So like David, how he humbled, how humbled we should be again that Christ is thinking of us individually. Christ delights to spend time with you, right? I come to, that's why, hey, I come to the garden alone, right? And Christ delights to work through you to still the enemy. So let us realize the privileged position we have in Christ. He, babes, oh man, I, I don't have to wait till I've been to Bible college. I don't have to wait till I have the books of the Bible memorized. I don't have to wait till I've memorized, you know, 50 or a couple hundred verses if it's Sister McLean or how many thousands she has memorized, amen, right? Or memorized, I don't have to be like Sister McLean and have all those verses uh, memorized, right? I don't have to be a Sunday school teacher. No, amen, you're saved. That moment you're a babe in Christ, right? He wants to use you. He wants to be mindful of you. He wants to visit you. And we, a wonderful thing that is to realize the privileged position we have. Boy, we had, man had a privileged position before the fall. But boy, once we get saved, we get a privileged, even more privileged position back in Christ. And boy, we need, like the psalmist, amen, we should start with praise and we should end with praise because we have a good God that is worthy of praise. Let's pray.